Hey, Twisters, what up? Welcome to this special mini bonus episode on Twisted Philly. I've been traveling quite a lot for work, and so the release schedule is a bit behind. What I decided to do this week is share a very special episode with you on another podcast that I host with my fiancé, Jeremy, called Educating Jeremy. Jeremy and I love movies. I have a few movie episodes on the Twisted Philly feed, my favorite Christmas horror movies and horror movies made in Pennsylvania. Because we love movies so much, we realized there are a ton of movies I've seen that Jeremy hasn't. So we launched a show called Educating Jeremy, where we watch movies that I love but he's never seen, and then we talk about them. There is a whole lot of love, a lot of laughter, and a few throat punches here and there. Recently, we had a chance to see the classic film Nosferatu at Laurel Hill Cemetery in Philadelphia. It was an incredible experience watching a movie that was almost 100 years old in a cemetery that was even older, filled with history and haunting, and a live band. The not-so-silent cinema players created an original score as an accompaniment for Nosferatu. Because that was set in Philadelphia, I decided to share this episode of Educating Jeremy here on the Twisted Philly feed. I also want to give you a little hint of what's in store for November— I've got two episodes in development right now while I'm on the road, and I can't wait till I get home because then I'll have a chance to finish them up, and you'll probably get a double dose of two episodes released in the same week. We'll have some true crime, we'll have lots of history, and because this month we celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States, which means we all eat a little too much, there will be some episodes about Philly food. If, like me, you're not quite ready to let go of Halloween, I thought you'd enjoy this very special, spooky Philadelphia episode of Educating Jeremy. And if you like this and want to check out more, you can find the Educating Jeremy podcast wherever you listen to Twisted Philly. Hi, this is Dina Marie. And this is Jeremy. And you're listening to Educating Jeremy. Wait a minute. Why am I the one that gets to be educated? I'm making faces (laughs) at you to try to distract you. I, I don't know. To me, it doesn't look like an 80s movie. Who is the best critic? Sometimes I will watch even shit movies, but I promise I won't make you watch any shit movies. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> when I see you face to face, that I can throat punch you. I can't throat punch you over Skype, Pennsylvania. Goddamn cougar. Stop <laughs> a cougar. Shut up. That's so clearly not a recent movie. If it were made now, I'd give it a two. What are you saying? <laughs> the look on your face is priceless you are so excited right because if you didn't know i haven't seen a whole lot of movies hi i'm dina marie and i'm jeremy and you're listening to the educating jeremy podcast welcome back welcome back this is a little bonus episode that dina suggested that we make it's our first bonus episode but we have some ideas for some others too and if you dear listeners, have any ideas for bonus episodes, let us know through email or social media. See, we had a date night. We went and saw a movie. We actually went and saw a movie, but not just any movie in any theater. Right, baby doll? That is very true. We had a very special date night where we went to an event called Cinema in the Cemetery. This is something that Laurel Hill Cemetery hosts throughout the summer and early fall. This was actually the last event for Cinema in the Cemetery this season. Which sucks, because I got kind of excited for it and wanted to do more of them. Well, that we have next summer and early fall in 2019, so we'll see a lot more of these. I'm looking forward to it. 
the cool thing is you are literally watching a movie outdoors in a cemetery. And Laurel Hill, I won't get into too much history, but it's actually one of the first truly pastoral cemeteries in the country. Back in the 17 and 1800s, cemeteries were typically in what would have been considered the inner city at the time. Bodies were basically buried on top of each other. It was impossible to find your loved ones. The conditions were horrific. A few very pioneering souls in Philadelphia decided that they needed to move cemeteries out of the city, out to very picturesque, spacious parts of the countryside. And that's how Laurel Hill came to be. So you go to the cemetery. It's unbelievably beautiful. And they set up a huge pop-up outdoor movie screen. And you sit outside on the grass next to the tombstones or in a lawn chair next to the tombstones. And you're watching a movie with over 77,000 souls that inhabit Laurel Hill Cemetery. And if you want to know anything else about Laurel Hill, you did an episode of Twisted Philly about Laurel Hill. I did. It was a listener's choice episode last year. I talk a little bit about this event in Twisted Philly. I talk about Laurel Hill quite a bit. It's sort of becoming like my home away from home. Well, we've been there (laughs) twice, three times. Two or three yeah. times in the last month. So, yes. and we don't even have anybody buried there. <laughs> buried there. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Should we tell folks what movie it was that we got to see outside in a cemetery? It was The Baba No, it wasn't. Shut up. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. <laughs> I hate it when you do that. It was the 1922 German horror movie Nosferatu. Now, I don't think you were all that surprised that I hadn't seen this movie. But for anybody else out there who hasn't seen it, can you tell people about Nosferatu? Yes. Other than it was made in 1922? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it was actually made in 21. It was released in 22. And it was directed by a man named F.W. Murnau. Murnau immigrated to America, actually, just a few years after this movie was released. It almost never saw the light of day. Nosferatu is the story of a vampire, a very famous vampire. It was absolutely based on Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula. Although a few things have been changed in Nosferatu, Murnau took not only inspiration, but, you know, the cliche, the highest form of flattery is mimicry. In this, <laughs> if that's the case... It was a very flattering movie. <laughs> yes. It truly is a retelling of Dracula. The characters are a bit different. So instead of Jonathan Harker, we have a man named Thomas Hooder. And he is... Why are you laughing? It just sounds like a cheap knockoff. When you put it that way, it just sounds like a cheap knockoff. Well, it is a little bit of a cheap knockoff. They had a really small budget. The film is set in Germany in the late 1830s instead of being set primarily in Britain in the 1890s. But Thomas Hooder works as sort of a magistrate, sort of an attorney, sort of a a real estate person. And he is sent by his employer to the Carpathian Mountains to meet a man named Count Orlock, who has some interest in purchasing a property in Germany. So far, it's Dracula, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent. That's exactly right. And I can tell you Murnau wasn't that innocent because he didn't get anybody's permission to do this. So... (laughs) Yes, it's very, very similar. So Hooder goes to the Carpathians, and as you can imagine, the first night he gets there, he has to stay in an inn, and he mentions he's traveling to the castle of Count Orlock, and the whole place, like, 
is a dead stop. And everybody turns and looks at him and they're like, no, no, you mustn't journey on. You mustn't journey on. And we should probably mention, in case folks haven't figured it out, this movie is a silent film. This was made during the era of silent movies. Everything in the film is is very much over the top. The moments in the movie that are joyful and happy are moments of elation and the moments of fear are true terror. The moments of, of anger are utter angst and frustration. So it's very much like watching vaudeville in a way with the way that the actors perform. It's a so, lot like watching teenagers in everyday life. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Eventually, Hooder gets to the castle of Count Orlock, who is disguising himself so that you don't quite realize he is this hideous, grotesque fiend. Hooder definitely notices there's something off about Orlock. By the second night that he's in the castle, he comes to find a book about the vampires, and he starts thinking that Orlock might be a vampire. He can't lock his door. He can't put anything in front of the door. And Orlock, it's one of the most iconic scenes from this film. Count Orlock, played by Max Schreck, who looks like a maniacal demon, opens the door to Hooder's room. And it's almost as if he floats in. He is this very tall, willowy figure. All you can see is his head from about chin up and his long, dagger-like fingers as he approaches Hooder in the bed. Very similar to Dracula, Hooder escapes, he gets taken to a hospital, he's cared for by nuns. Back in Germany, his wife is having all of these strange visions. Eventually, the Count makes his way to Germany while Hooder's trying to get back to save everyone. If you know the story of Dracula, you know what happens at the end, except in Nosferatu, there is no big battle scene where Harker and Quincy and Arthur and Van Helsing are racing against the sun to kill the monster. In this case, it is literally just the the beast Nosferatu realizing that he is an abomination. He will never have the love that he seeks. He will never be accepted. And he comes out in the daylight and he is instantly killed by the daylight. So that's another difference between Nosferatu and Dracula. In Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula can go out in the daytime. He's merely weakened by the sun, but it can't kill him. And Nosferatu ultimately is demolished by the sun. So there's a massive fucking spoiler for everyone. So there you go. There's a couple of things about what you said that I want to hit on. One is you said he kind of floats into the room and there is a scene where he's supposed to look like he's just kind of hovering into the room. And if you look down, you can see these two little SpongeBob stick legs kind of <laughs> like real quick moving. You know, he's like, ding, 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 ding. Like tiptoeing across the floor. It's like <laughs> something out of the Flintstones. I could just hear his little toes going across the floor. The other thing is you said that on a second night, he discovers or he believes that Orlock is a vampire. And, you know, he's like, oh, something weird's going on. Well, the first night he's there, he cuts his finger and Orlock comes over and goes, you cut your finger. Let me look at it. <laughs> It sucks on it. <laughs> and at that point, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck? I don't know if you noticed the next morning when he awakens, it's again that very joyful, elated scene where Hooder is standing out on a balcony in the castle and he's looking across at the Carpathian Mountains and looking at the wildflowers and everything is so very beautiful. And he's writing a letter home to Ellen, his wife. So it was Mina in Dracula. Mina and Jonathan Harker were not married. They were engaged. 
it's Ellen in Nosferatu, and they are indeed married. He's writing a letter home, and he says, fear not, don't worry, everything is going very well, except for the mosquitoes. <sighs> the mosquitoes here are quite large because he awakes to find he has two bites. And in the letter, he remarks that not only are the mosquitoes large, but they're very precise because the bite marks are perfectly aligned on his neck. The version of Nosferatu that we saw was in English. And even though it's a silent film, there are movie cards, stills, if you will, at different points throughout the film where it either conveys dialogue that a character might say or it's sharing some information with It's the, like reading a comic book. The words just kind of popped up there like in a parchment paper or something for certain things. And then for Very other things, so. it's just like it's almost like an early version of closed captioning. So the version that we saw was in English. All of those stills and captions were English. In the original version, obviously, it's German. When I mentioned that this film almost never saw the light of day, Stoker's family, his widow and, and his heirs, sued Murnau for stealing Bram Stoker's story of Dracula. He had no permission to use that story to make this film. And in court, they won, and it was ruled that all copies of the movie had to be destroyed. Clearly, some were not. And so I've always wondered, although I've never found anything that confirms this, but, you know, Murnau immigrated to America in 1926, and then he worked for Fox Studios and made a few films there. I've always wondered if he smuggled a copy out with him when he traveled overseas from Germany to America, because this was released in America in June of 1929, so just a few years after he immigrated to the States. A judge ruled that every copy of this movie had to be destroyed because they had no permission to use Stoker's story. I bet you're right. I bet that he did smuggle it out. This I movie was a little bit different from our normal episodes because it wasn't necessarily a movie that was super important to you that I see it. It was more of a crime of opportunity, if you will. Can you tell I've been watching a lot of SVU? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have, baby. Yes, you have. I do love this film. I think this is a magnificent movie. I think... The way that it was shot, considering the time that it was made, it it has a bit of a Hitchcock vibe to it. I do feel like Murnau really played with light and played with shadows. But it's not a film that I think a lot of people enjoy. I think you either have to be a real horror buff or someone who enjoys truly classic cinema. I mean, going back to the, the era of silent film, which I do, it was never anything that I thought, oh, I have to make Jeremy watch Nosferatu. But once it came up, you couldn't pass up the opportunity to see this movie with a live orchestra playing the score for it and in a historic graveyard at night. Oh, it's probably like the best date ever, really. It's just such a great opportunity to do the type of thing that I love, which is just really weird and twisted. And you mentioned the live orchestra. The score to the movie was not played. There is a group of musicians called the Not-So-Silent Cinema they do this at a lot of old theaters around Philadelphia. They create an original score for a silent film. The score that they created for this movie was so much better than the original score of the film, which it's what you would expect for a silent film. But what they did, it was haunting and it was light and it was trippy and it was also dissonant and, and terrifying at times. It was just, it was brilliant. The, I thought the music was really fantastic. Well, they did a really thing fantastic. where they not only played the score for the movie or their score for the movie, but they also added in ambiance and sound effects. I don't want to try to say this instrument played this at this time because I'm not a musician, but 
they did a thing where, you know, maybe he's doing something on screen and they add a sound effect to it with their instruments. You know, maybe a door opens and you hear a little creak or something like that. And it was really cool. It was, it really added to the experience. Those guys did, I thought they did a great job. So what did you think of Nosferatu? Well, I think this was the oldest movie I have ever seen by far. <laughs> it's almost 100 it years old. It was my first time seeing a movie outside. I've never been to a drive-in or one of those things where you sit outside and watch on an inflatable screen. I could see you shaking your head. Yeah, yeah. I didn't shake my head. I can Maybe see just a little you. Bit. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I enjoyed the setting quite a bit. I enjoy being outside on a cool kind of not cold, but just a nice fall night watching a movie like this. It was really cool. It was something new to me, something really unique. I did not enjoy the people that were sitting in front of us. No, they really These people. Look, I don't want to talk a lot of smack on people, but I'm going to. These people were, <laughs> we were maybe six rows in. And we had these little beach chairs that sat really low to the ground. Anybody behind us would have had no problem seeing over us. These guys must have like special ordered extra tall lawn chairs to sit right in the front and block out a lot of people's views, including ours. We're kind of looking between them and then looking around them because they kept leaning in and talking to each other and talking loudly to each other. Nobody behind them could see anything because they kept moving around. It was like you're dodging and weaving to see the movie. And then at the end of the damn thing, the woman turns around, pours out her wine glass, and pours it on our stuff. <laughs> While I'm screaming at her, you're pouring your stuff on our shit. And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. Just flat out says, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, uh, you just did it. I just watched you. She slurred her words. I'm just like, I hope you're not driving home, lady. No, she was drunk. She was also filming. She spent half the movie filming the movie, which I don't get. I mean, you can get Nosferatu on Blu-ray. You can get it on DVD. You can watch it on demand. Shit, you could probably even find it at a garage sale on VHS somewhere. Like, there's ways <laughs> she can retain the film. But, but regarding the movie, I like this a lot. And for a few reasons. When I was a kid... The image of Nosferatu scared the crap out of me whenever I saw it. And that character of Nosferatu or Count Orlog is so iconic. You see it everywhere. And when I was a kid, just seeing that picture of him, I was like, what the fuck is that? You know? <laughs> but honestly, now, now that I'm a grown ass man, I cannot imagine this movie being scary even when it first came out but i did find it oddly charming even though as you pointed out it is a direct ripoff of dracula <laughs> it certainly is i think this movie would have been terrifying when it first came out especially some of those scenes with orlock where he's moving in that floating kind of way of carrying himself and he has these elongated fingers and these elongated pointy ears, almost like a wolf. And his face is quite terrifying. I think audiences in 1922, this was this premiered at um, at a zoo. Actually, it was 
It was like a gala type event. So if you want to think about a high society black tie affair in a grand city, in a grand space, that's how this movie premiered back in 1922. And attendees were asked to wear costumes. I disagree. I think in 22, this would have been quite frightening Maybe for anyone it was. who saw it. I mean, it's, it's really hard to put yourself into the mindset of 100 years ago and think about what would or wouldn't have been scary. I'm just looking at it now going, eh, you know, I think Baba Duke was scarier than this. <laughs> you can't look I've, at Nosferatu with a, with I know, a now and I tried lens. to put myself into that old mindset that you know i tried to get back into the head of where it would have been back then and look i did like the movie overall i thought it was really fun and i hope we get to see a lot more movies like this as much as i enjoyed it it wasn't scary and i mean i didn't really go into it <laughs> expecting it to be scary i just kind of expected it to be a quaint old horror film and i think that's what it was Oh, well, that's an absolutely great description. No, that really is. It is a very quaint old horror film. There are so many moments of humor in that movie. I think they might be more humorous today, whereas they might have been more commonplace 100 years ago. But And I think what added to the humor was what you were talking about with the not-so-silent cinema players when you know the the violinist would pluck the strings of the violin to mimic somebody running on screen. That definitely added to the humor. And, and there was tinkling noises on the piano. I, I think a quaint horror movie is, is a lovely description. Well, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> well, I didn't say I agree. Right. I said I think it's right. lovely. Right. I do put myself back 100 years ago and think this movie was probably scary right. as fuck right. when it was released. Right. Well, you've already stolen one of my trivia bits about all of the copies being destroyed. So would you like to hear some more trivia? Okay, well, in my defense, anybody that knows something about Nosferatu probably knows that. Or actually, you know what? That's probably not true. It's probably people like me and Nick that know that. Hey, Nick. I'm talking to Nick from Epic Film Guys, who also loves this film. But yes, is it time it for trivia? It is time for some trivia. And now, it's time for trivia. Trivia! All right, lay it on me. The movie was banned in Sweden. Due to excessive horror. Why? There's my point. See? 100 years ago, people were scared shitless by this movie. Excessive horror. The Obviously, people were scared. The ban was finally lifted in 1972. It no. took that long. 50 years. 50 years. Holy shit. It is crazy. That's you know crazy. what's even crazier? This movie was selected by the Vatican in the quote-unquote art category of its list of the 45 greatest films. The Vatican. I'm not surprised to hear that. Well, because it's, you know, this is the story of good versus evil. Dracula is sometimes seen as a stand-in for the devil. And so much of the lore of vampires is their fear of crosses, their fear of any kind of religious icons. No, I'm not surprised at that. Myrna was a really incredible filmmaker for, for his time. He was probably one of the best. After 85 years, you're going to like this one. After 85 years, virtually all of the exteriors are left intact in the cities of Wismar and Lübeck. And I probably no, said serious? both of those wrong. I'm just putting it out there. There's no need to write it and correct me. I am acknowledging I don't know how to say those. 
Okay, so not to change the subject, but I fucking hate when people do that. Like, act like, come on. You've never mispronounced anything in your entire life. Give me a break. But that is insane. I want to okay. go there. Whatever you want to go. Let's go tomorrow. I want to go there and I want to see the exteriors. I want to do we that. Got a oh of my hours god. <laughs> Count Orlock appears in an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants called The Graveyard Shift, 80 years after the film was released. Taking out the trash, taking out the trash, taking out the trash at night. <laughs> That's my favorite SpongeBob episode. It's the Hash Slinging Slasher episode. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, we're gonna when we get done recording, I'm gonna go downstairs. We're gonna go on to Nickelodeon on demand, and we're gonna find that episode. Okay. That episode is awesome. <laughs> my last little bit of trivia: okay. the, the concept and popular culture that sunlight is lethal to vampires is based on this film, which depicted such a death for the very first time in film history. F. W. Murnau knew that he would be sued for borrowing so heavily from Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula without permission, so he changed the ending in order that he could say that this film and Dracula were not exactly the same. Okay, so that's probably like the most amazing piece of trivia I've ever heard because the implications of that are massive. So when you think about Anne Rice, who is, I, I believe, the finest vampire author ever she's one of the finest authors she's definitely one of if not the best i've read as far as vampire novels yeah for sure so many other people that come after her are are hacks even if they're good like, i think nobody a lot of does people it like, that came like before she does. her are hacks but but the mythology the fact that that mythology i mean you think about all of the characters in the rice mythology and, and rice universes you think about buffy you think about every fucking vampire movie Everyone you've ever seen that. That uses that, right? Because not every vampire mythos uses the concept that sunlight will kill. Some of them are very much in the same vein as Bram Stoker, that sunlight will weaken or, or what have you, or, or fucking Twilight where they sparkle. But, <laughs> but anybody that uses sunlight to kill, I had no idea yeah. it was based on that. Isn't that cool? Oh, my God. That's amazing. That was awesome trivia. I'll just trivia give you a minute to recover because I can see the look on your face. <laughs> I am. I'm like, I'm blown away. I'm I'm blown away. I'm apoplectic. My hands are waving. I you can't, just I can't like even, went full on Italian. Don't ever go full <laughs> Italian. Have you ever seen Tropic Thunder? I've seen pieces of oh it. I couldn't God. get through it. I thought it was stupid. This podcast is over. How dare you? <laughs> I will watch it for you when we do a when we do a flip the script episode. Anywho, I am personally offended. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I still love you. I don't feel right asking you to score this film. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's in a, a ratings category. It's just... It's I'm going to score it anyway, because I already did. All right. On a scale of one to ten, what would you score this... What do you think that I scored this film? I think you scored it a seven. I fucking hate you. <laughs> yes, I did scored you score it a seven. seven? She's doing a little happy dance for all you people out there in listener land. In case you couldn't tell, she's doing a little happy Isn't it good? Dance. Isn't it good that your partner like knows you and gets yeah. you? Yes, it is, babe. <laughs> well, I would offer a hint about the next movie that we're going to watch, but I think we already did on the last actual episode that we put out. We did, so I think we leave it out, but... And I know I've talked to you about this before. Since you have now seen Nosferatu, 
at some point you have to watch Shadow okay. of the Vampire. I will watch Shadow of the Vampire. Because it's based on this, and it is a flipping brilliant movie. I think William Defoe is a much underrated actor. I mean, he made Boondock Saints. There was oh, God, a firefight! So that was the best thing ever. <laughs> well, this was fun, babe, doing a little, yeah. a little bonus yeah. for everybody. I hope you guys like it. This was short and sweet and spooky. Even though it's a bonus episode, would you like to give people the details on where they can find us on social media and whatnot and how to make requests and all that good stuff? You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Educating Jeremy. And you can email us at educatingjeremy at outlook.com. If you have a movie you'd like us to consider, it needs to be something that I really love and enjoy and something that Jeremy's never seen. Or it could be something, although we will do less of these, but it could be something that Jeremy loves that I've never seen. We do want to offer some flip some the script Dina episodes. episodes. I don't need oh, to be educated. you definitely need to be educated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Are you the man to educate me? Shit just got dirty up in here. <laughs> I think on that note, we should probably say goodnight. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back not in two weeks because this was a bonus episode, but probably in one week. I don't know. We'll be back when we're back. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>